right. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about Roundup Day some, and, and we have a special theme this year. It's called Riding for the Brand. And if you're a cowboy, you know what that means. If you've ever watched any uh, westerns or been around cowboys, you know that that's, a, that's kind of a code of the cowboy, riding for the brand. That means that you're faithful and, and you'll give your everything for the brand. Now, on, on earth here, I'm, I'm a kind of a cowboy, and, and I ride for a brand, uh, Fred and I do, and it's the RW brand. The SEO RW, it's real famous throughout the world, right? And there's a guy over there in uh, Carlson that's got a, he's a kind of a cattle baron. Does anybody know who R.W. is? Russ Wagner. Yeah, you didn't know, but he has a he has a big cattle plantation over there and big ranch. And me and Fred, we work a couple times a year and wrangle his cows and do all that stuff. Don't we, Fred? So we we ride for that brand, but I ride for a a lot bigger brand, and that's the that's what we'll be talking about that tonight. So, uh, but riding for the brand, that's what we're going to be talking about. And as I read the Bible and as I've read the Bible throughout my life, I know all of you are probably like me and you just have some Bible heroes, don't you? Don't you have people there that when you read stuff, it just gets you in the heart and uh, you, you can kind of look, well, especially look up to them and think, boy, I would like to be like that. And there, there are several of them in there, but tonight we're going to be talking about, you know, the greatest missionary that there ever was, and there's no doubt about it, it's the Apostle Paul. And uh, I just think that he would have made one great cowboy. And there's a reason for it, and we're going to turn there to the first, uh, first verse here, Second Corinthians 2.24, because he talks about what he's been through. And he doesn't do this to brag, but he does it to encourage people that through everything he's been through, God is still there. And God was there through everything that he went through. And it was a bunch of stuff, as you are going to see here in a minute, I hope, on the slide. Um, says, for the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Is that a lot of perils? Man, you talk about trouble. None of us have had that many, I don't think. And through all of that, the reason he mentions it is he said, I'm still with God. He's still, I'm still riding for the brand. I'm still with him, and he's still with me. Isn't that something? That's why I think that the old Apostle Paul would have been the one great cowboy, because he understands what it means to ride for the brand, to be faithful no matter what, and to give your life for the brand. We're going to be talking about that as we go on here. Now, one of my one of my favorite Apostle Paul's tough guy stories is the one where he gets shipwrecked. All my life, as I've been reading the Bible, I've loved this story. I've loved the story about how what he did, and uh, even though it was a real tough time, God used him in a very special way. And you turn with me over here to uh, Acts. Chapter 27, verse 9, actually verse 10. Now, Paul, Paul is getting ready to get on the ship, and, and, and the Lord speaks to him and says, don't get on the ship. Tell everybody don't go because it's going to be bad. This is going to be a bad trip. 
So he stands up and says, man, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo, ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion, more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship, than by the things spoken by Paul. So they get out on the ship and they take off, and as everybody knows, they run into trouble. Terrible, terrible, terrible trouble on the sea. In fact, everybody knows that it looks like that they're gonna they're gonna sink. And so everybody's real sad and they're real scared. They're terrified. They're terrified. These guys are shaking in their boots. They know that they're going to die because it's the worst storm they've ever seen. It's tearing the boat apart. They can't go anywhere. It's The wind is taking them and just almost shredding them to pieces, and they know their life is about to be over, and they're terrified. So after a while, in verse 21, Paul stands up, and he said, Hey, that's not really in there, but I think he might have said it. But after a long absence from food, then Paul stood up in the midst of them, and guess what he said? Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. But now I encourage you, I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. If you're on that ship, wouldn't you like to hear those words? I don't know if they believed him, but they probably liked hearing them anyway. So there's a little bit of hope right there. There's a little bit of hope. And what happens is, for there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong. Isn't that great way he said that? An angel of God to whom I belong. Now these guys, they don't belong to God. They belong to a bunch of little bitty gods that don't exist. But he said, God whom I belong. Oh my, that, that is such powerful work. God whom I belong. You know, sometimes we forget that, don't we? We forget that God, that God that I belong to. What a is in my life that never turns his back on me, the God that I belong to. And he said it with all kinds of pride because he believed it with all this heart. He knew it to be true. And not all on the one that I belong to, but these next words are very true. And I serve. The one I belong to and I serve. Saying, do not be afraid, Paul, because you need to be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you and those who sail with you. Now, as you guys know the story, um, they're they're still a little worried, and and uh, Acts twenty seven verse twenty nine has been one of my favorite verses for a long time. I'm going to read it to you now. It says then, fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern, and they wished for the day. King James version, wish for the day. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever had a terrible night in your life where you wanted it to be over. Where you were going through something that was just seemed like more than you could bear. And you just wish for the day. I've been there. I can remember when I was 16, I was on a camping. It was spring break. I was camping with my best friend. And uh, we were just having a great time down in the woods. And we looked up on the top of the hill and we seen his mom and dad coming. We, I thought, what would they be doing coming out here? And they came up to me and they said, there's been a problem at your house. You need to come home. And of course, right then I knew there was something terrible that happened. But by the time, well, when I turned down the street, they took me home, when I turned down the street, seen all the cars in front of my house, I knew something horrible had happened. And my dad had been killed in a car accident. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget that night. I couldn't go to sleep. And I wished for the day. 
I wish for it to go away. I wish for it to be over. So when I read this, not long after that, when I was 16, I read this story, and, and I understood what those sailors were. They were scared. They wanted the day to come so there would be hope. And they wished for the day. And you know what? There's people all around us. They're going through horrible things that are wishing for the day. And they need someone like us to point the way to them. You know, the, the, where the hope, the way that where the hope is, the place that where they can have hope, that they can wish for the day. Hey, and Jesus will be there. Does everybody know what I'm saying? I mean, there, there are people around us that are there. I mean, we might not be there. Hopefully we're not there. But because we got Christ in our life, but there are people who don't have that. And, and, and they're wishing that something better could happen. And I believe that's what these sailors were wishing for today. And you know, as, as this story goes on, and, um, some of the sailors think, well, the best thing to do is you know, drop the lifeboat and take off. And he says, hey, the only way that you can the only way that you can survive, the way the angels told me, was we all got to stay together. And uh, so the first thing they think, uh, um, the captain of the ship said, we don't want everybody getting away, all these prisoners, so let's kill them. Well, because Paul was uh, loved by the, uh, the, the captain, they didn't kill anybody. And they said, okay, you that can swim, if you guys remember this story, you, can, you that can swim, take off and swim to the shore. And uh, you that can't, grab a hold of part of the boat boards and stuff float in. And that's exactly what they did. And you know what? God God gave uh, Paul this insight to what was going to happen. And he saved all these lives. There were 240 some people, I think, that were on that boat. He called them the souls. That's how many souls were on the boat. And through this great man, through this uh, belief that Paul had and through his faith in, in Christ, he was able to persuade them to do this. And, and they had a chance to live. And you know what happens at the island is really cool too when they when they swim ashore and and uh, you know the, there's natives there and they don't know God they're very superstitious and have all kinds of foreign uh, ways they deal with religion and and uh, but the first thing they do when all these guys they light them a fire and try to warm them up and even though they're they're you know they're wild and, and they're natives and and so Paul being the kind of guy that he was instead of just sitting around there he went out and gathered some wood you guys remember this part. He gathered some wood to throw on the fire to do his part. And when he did, a great big old snake came out of the pile of wood that he had and latched onto his arm. Well, isn't it amazing that things that God uses to teach people stuff? I mean, that's exactly what was happening. All these natives know about these snakes, and they know you get by this, bit by one of those snakes, they call them vipers. You get by one of them, you're dead, and you're going to die. But God wanted to teach them something, and he wanted to use Paul to do it. And and when the old snake bit him, Paul didn't jump, Paul didn't holler, Paul didn't get excited. He literally shook his arm, the snake fell off of the fire, and then the natives just waited for Paul to die. They said, wow, he must be a bad man. Because he survived the storm, he survived the shipwreck, and he comes on the shore and he gets bit by a viper. He must be bad. The gods must hate him. So they watched him. And they watched him. And they watched him and nothing happened. And he went from being a bad man to this man must be a god. Well, he wasn't a god, but he knew God. And he had a whole lot of God in him, didn't he? And you know what? Once again, there's that's the kind of 
people that we need to be. That's the kind of Christians we need to be. That's the brand we need to ride for, like he was. That no matter what, through all our situations, and you know, there are things that happen to us. Sometimes bad things. And don't you know that people are watching to see how we respond? See if we give God the glory. See if we come through unscathed as far as backing down on what we believe. You know, there are times when uh, things happen that we don't we don't want to happen. You know, people die that we want to live. You know, I prayed for my mom. You know, she was dying real sick. And, you know, I finally had to come to the place where the hardest words I ever said in my life were, let it be your will, not mine. I mean, that's a hard thing to say when you're praying for someone to be healed. Because you want them to be healed. You don't want the other thing. You don't want the ultimate healing when they go to heaven. You want them to live because you don't want to be separated from them. And it was the hardest thing for me to say, but I finally got to the place. I was at my first church in Arkansas in Batesville, and my mom was getting real sick, and, and it was the hardest thing in the world. I, I would fly back and see her about twice a month, and uh, the hardest thing I've had to pray the last time I saw her was, your will, not mine, because I knew things were good. And I, I remember my sister calling me up on, on one night and said, Mom's real bad, you need to come home tomorrow. And I, I called and got a flight, and uh, two hours later, my mom was gone. So that was the last time I got to see her. But I remember praying that, God, whatever you will is. And, you know, that's the hard part. But, you know, that's, that's what we need to do. And uh, sometimes we can be an example like Paul. We can be the ones shaking off that stake and people are watching to see what happens. And it's all about how much faith we have in God. It's all about how true we are to ride for the brand. How much we will do, what we will do, when, when God puts us in that situation. I'm so thankful for that. You know, I was holding up this little Brandon iron, and, you know, that's just, a, that's just an earthly symbol. But there's been a symbol uh, for the brand for a long, long time. Up there on the screen now. Um, this is this is a universal brand, and and when we see that, we know exactly what it means. And if you read that, it says, you know, what it used to mean, what it meant before Jesus was a symbol of horrific death. Now that wasn't a pretty sight before Jesus came. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible sight. It was the worst thing you could ever see, especially if it was for you. Because that was the worst death they knew how to give you. Cutting your head off was a whole lot better. Running you through with the spear was a whole lot painless than that. That was the worst. That was the worst capital punishment. And and that's what it meant before Jesus. And and that's what it meant when they put Jesus on there. But Jesus wasn't riding for the brand. Jesus was the brand. You know, the cross wasn't the brand. He was and is. And so when after Jesus is gone and we look up at the cross, now we see the symbol of life eternal. That's our hope, life eternal, because he's not on the cross anymore. I'm so glad that in, in my faith and in my church, when I look at the cross, there's nobody on it. There's some churches where something's on it. But my, my cross is like that. It's empty because he did the job. He finished it. So I could go to heaven. And it's my symbol of eternal life, not eternal death, like it used to be. But when Jesus came, he changed that. Aren't you glad for that? I'm so thankful that I can have examples like that. You know, we got great examples. You know, the reason that the reason that Paul did what he did, if, if, if you read the Bible, you'll realize the reason that he could do and 
He gave his life completely for Jesus because he realized where he came from. And Paul said over and over and over, of all the sinners, I'm the worst. The word he used was chief. I'm the chief. I'm the chief sinner. I'm the worst sinner because I put Christians to death. But Jesus gave me another chance. And I'm going to make the best of it. And you know, when he talked about all those things that happened to him, can you imagine that? If any one of them things happened to us, it'd probably kill us. You know, being beat by sticks, getting left for dead, getting stoned, all those things. And But God wasn't done with him yet. But you know what? That doesn't mean that the pain wasn't there every time. It was. Just because they spared his life and God spared his life still, the pain was there. And he bore the pain every time. But you know, at the end of his life, Paul was so thankful that he had a life to give. And you know, this great verse, probably the, some of the most greatest words that were ever said were said by Paul. And as we put that up on the screen, I want you guys to see this. Because I was, I was, I've been crucified with Christ, so I no longer live. But Jesus Christ now lives in me. And you know what? Those are wonderful words, aren't they? Aren't they, aren't they powerful? Let's say that again. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer, I no longer live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. Now, the rest of the verse is maybe even better. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that powerful? It's wonderful. You know, I'm crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's what we need to do. Live by faith in the Son of God. Isn't that right? The one who loved me and gave his life for me. And you know, when we look at the cross, and we always say, man, I'm so thankful that you finished the job. Jesus, and you came and you died and you were crucified and you suffered for me. You did that for me. The Bible just says that and gave himself for me. There, there's no doubt that Jesus loved it enough. He came and died for any one of us. There could only been one because that's how much he loves us. I really believe that. So tonight, as I close, I want you to just think about, you know, I use this little slogan, riding for the brand, but all that means is just to be faithful to what you say you are. You know, when I when I get on my horse and I start chasing cows, I say, I'm a cowboy. You know, and I go through the motion. But you know what? As a Christian, I need to be a Christian. I need to live like one. I need to act like one. And as I tell the kids in the back, when, when I started getting older as a little kid I, and people started inviting me to do bad things, I always said this, I can't do that. Why? Because I'm a Christian. End of story. I don't have to explain anything else. Because I'm a Christian. I don't go there. I don't do that. I don't talk like that. Because I'm a Christian. That's all you got to say. And, and that's what I'm training and telling the kids. Hey, you don't, you don't need to explain. You don't need to do anything. Just, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Don't do that. It worked for me. Uh, 51 years ago this past week, I became a Christian, and, and he's never left me, and he hasn't. Uh, I've messed up a few t little times, you know, never got too messed up, but uh, he's always been there for me, and, and uh, 
it works because I'm a Christian. One more thing I wanted to do with you tonight. Uh, I miss not getting to sing with you. So I'm going to sing with you. And I'm going to teach you a brand new song. If I can get past it, there we go. Brand new because I just wrote it. Let's all stand. I was uh, I woke up the other night at two o'clock, didn't go back to sleep, so um, I, I wrote my sermon on my phone, the little yellow pad you guys got on your phone. I'm in there doing that, and I also wrote this song because uh, I was thinking about this right from the brand. So sing it Make a stand, for I'm riding for the brand. It's time to make a stand, for I'm riding for the brand. Good help these days. Hurry up, boys! Get her done! <laughs> <laughs> 
Happy trails to you until we meet again. Happy trails to you. Keep smiling until then. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Vamos, Willie. Estamos tarde para el Randa. Voy a preguntar a esa hombre dónde está. Hola, buenas tardes. ¿Dónde están el Randa? Estoy buscando a los hombres para el Randa. ¿Dónde están? Right. 
Boogerman, hit him up, hit him up, Boogerman, Boogerman, hit him up, raw high. Cut him out, ride him in, ride him in, let him out, cut him out, ride him in, raw high. Because of you, Roundup 2012 is probably the best Roundup day we've ever had. And right now, you're in a good place. You're in a safe place. Here in a minute in my sermon, I'm going to tell you why you're in a safe place. You not only need to be here today, but you need to be here every Sunday. Hey, come back tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to have a great barbecue. It's going to be a lot of fun. Pony rides for the kids, carriage rides for the adults. And after we've done our tabulating, meet me right back here in the sanctuary, probably about 6.30, 7 o'clock, and we're going to shear that sneaky sheepdog. Take his hair right down. See you then. 
Thanks again for coming. God bless.